Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts. Second Officer Slog, episode 49. I'm your host, M, and with me is my regular number one, Jackson. Hello. Star Trek's good again. Spoilers. That's the, just, just gonna get that out of the way. We're coming up on episode 50, which we do something special for, except it's just gonna be another Discovery episode. Just gonna be another Discovery. That's, uh... He's that's hiding a child, spoiler. episode 50. <laughs> yes, no, episode 50 is gonna be special, because it's Secret Klingon Baby Week. Uh, th- there's really nothing to do other than get into the episode, right? I feel like that's true. Yeah, there's nothing to do other than talk about the episode. As usual, we don't really have, you know, big format. We just have a short talk about the episodes. All right, so this episode is Discovery. Season 2, episode 11 is called Perpetual Infinity. It aired on the 28th of March, 2019. It was written by Alan McElroy and Brandon Schultz. It was directed by Maha Vervilo. I don't know how to say that. Vervilo? Uh, uh, yeah, no, that's, you're right. I have no idea. <laughs> Um, it takes place in the year 2257, but also 2236 and the 32nd century. <laughs> uh, there's some bullshit going on. Jackson, do you want to tell us what happens in this episode? Don't, we don't need a lengthy, I think yeah. we're past this point. Because uh, if you're not watching along, then God help you. <laughs> uh, but I will do my best to do a quick summary. Basically, um, Burnham it wakes up being like, oh shit, that wasn't a dream. Uh, and her mum is definitely being kept in the present by their uh, big machines, uh, and they need to get they need to talk to uh, talk to Burnham's mum, uh, who has a name. What is Burnham's mum? I forgot. Gabriel Burnham. There it is. Doctor Burnham. Doctor Doctor. Yes, they call him Doctor Burnham. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, so she's Doctor Burnham, and the other one's just Burnham. <laughs> Burnham Burnham and Doctor Burnham. Burnham Burnham. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's just like the Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. Um. So they have to get the information out of her that she's she's sitting there and she's being kind of uncooperative, doesn't want to talk to Michael Burnham. And Michael's like, "Why? But you're my mother." Anyway, uh, that's the big plot of the episode. But but there's a ticking there's a ticking clock in the form of Leland, who we last week got owned, and we all thought he was going to come back with a sick eye patch, but instead uh, gets immediately like taken over by control. They um just they they do the thing from the Matrix. They they put a like a big needle in the back of his neck. Yes. Uh, and instead of injecting kung fu into him, they inject "you belong to the AI now," and he is yes, the now AI he's now he's avatar. now he's the Terminator at TX, whatever the one from three. Yeah, but he's also like they don't say this, but all I could think of was, "Damn, the AI needs a way to beat that. See if it's a hologram filter. The button <laughs> on every single thing. It was working so well up to now, but then they realize they can just press a button and see there's no person there." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so now she's got a flesh body in the form of Leland. Yes. Uh, and so the episode basically goes with the people in the Discovery trying to talk to talk to Dutzbird and try to get the information out of her, uh, which has to do with this, the sphere and deleting the sphere data. Uh, and Leland being controlled by uh, control. God damn it. <laughs> uh, 
on the second 31 ship being like we can't trust dr burnham she came from the future therefore we have to treat her as as if she must be the threat we can't take her information as true which is honestly a reasonable thing to say but he is evil so it doesn't that's not that's not in the air really uh and so the questions become will the section 31 people in time realize what is going on and stop their subterfuge of the um of what's going on of the of the well, the stuff, and I guess I need to explain what it is. So the big plan is that they need to delete the, the sphere data because if you combine the control with the sphere data, the control gets sentience, which doesn't make any sense, but whatever, we'll go with it for Well, now. because it's like a, it's an archive of all of the AI, like AIs that ever became even remotely sentient over the course of like all of galactic history. So if it has all that, it has a roadmap to how to make itself sentient. Yes. But uh, my question is... This is a little bit after the fact, I guess. But if it wants to become sentient, isn't it already sentient? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. Control is already in this episode expressing its will. And maybe that's just control, the control Control's the got the data problem where you're like, no, you just got emotions. Like, you're already but there. Are they implying that the control that's taken over Leland is actual control? Or if it's control from the future traveled back to ensure that control becomes sentient? I guess the, the show is messy enough that I don't know the answer for that. Because last week I assumed it was the first one because I thought the second one would be done, but then they play. So I thought it was. To... I thought it was the second one until this episode, where I think it just might be the first one. But then why does it because need because data? if it, yeah because if it's future control, it could just give it just could give present control the data, so it has to be present control. But that just means present control is sentient already. <laughs> so the sphere data isn't to become sentient; it's to have the power to destroy all the life. No. The sphere data is a is all the data on whoever whatever has become sentient in all of history. So it's it's the way because control can't figure it's, it out for it's, itself because it's just a threat algorithm, and so it needs that data to understand like the possibility space of how you yeah. become sentient. But, but in desiring I mean. that, it need it already knows that, and if it was future control, it already have that data, so it could just give it to its past self. Okay, but that's kind of what I mean is that if it's already sentient, the only thing it needs the sphere data for, like is to get the roadmap to become powerful enough to kill everyone. Yeah, I because guess otherwise so. it would just But like, that's not what that's not what they're pitching. It's not how the show does. plays. I don't yeah, I'm just anyway, the, it still doesn't make sense. The other episodes still happen. The story's still bad, but the, this episode is much better and is um, aware of like themes. Uh but we'll get into that in a second. So basically the big plan is as they try to delete the data, the data like kind of starts reconfiguring itself uh, and instead they are going to upload the data into Gabriel Dr. Burnham's Red Angel suit and send send it to the future, but also do transporter science to uh, detach her from like the timeline warping that's going on and keep her in the present because they're currently having to expend energy just to keep her in the present. Yes. Okay. They're not even sending back her back, back to the future. They're sending her through back through the portal so like faster than she came in, so she'll just keep going forever towards the future. Yes. Because uh, the, the the timeline is basically trying to drag her back to the 32nd century. Uh, and they think, if there's basically time gravity going on, what if we just, like, throw it her into time orbits and she goes around time forever? Yes. Uh, and then the control can't get the data because it's trapped in time. Yes. Uh, and they have a big plan to, like, make sure that... Uh, they can separate the suit, which has the data from Gabriel Burnham, from Dr. Burnham, that has being a human being and uh, Burnham's mum. Uh, but then, as they're doing this, they are interrupted by Terminator Leland. Oh, yes. I realize just now that the reason I insist that you call her Dr. Burnham is because Gabriel's already Lorca's first name. Yes. Yes. 
That, yes, it is. Her mum yep. and Lorca both have the same name. <laughs> yes, I hate it. I hate it so much. I just it just hit my brain. Did you, that did that you was not, true. Did you not put that together? To no, <laughs> no, I didn't. Because I literally just always thought of her as Doctor Burnham. Because that's what they say this episode. That's better. Yeah. Uh, and um, okay, I'll try to be better about that. Because yes, you're right. God. Um, so. Look at oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Leland is doing his Terminator stuff, trying to stop everyone. Uh, the second thing would have been like transferring the sphere data, but uh, through a combination of Ash and Giorgio teaming up, they have kind of fought against Leland. But he is a Terminator man, so has come to just force this to happen by force. Uh, they end up having to just shoot the transporter things, send her into time. And she is trapped in time with the data. This download got 54% complete. Uh, and so Control has 54% of the sphere data. Uh, and they blow up the, the facility. But, you know, Leland obviously beams away. Control is fine. And the uh, hunt is on to stop Control in the present before all this can happen. It's kind of a stalemate finish because obviously it has to be because there's still three episodes left. I just want to and- say a future in which they, like talk down Terminator Leland and the Section 31 show is Terminator Leland, Georgiou, and Ash Tyler is the greatest Star Trek show that's ever existed. <laughs> yes. So the, the best scenes this episode are with this, this, this like cool with uh, Giorgio and Ash where they're like, oh, do we trust each other on Section 31? And Ash this whole episode has been like, I can't believe Section 31 is having me spy on Starfleet. And I'm like, Ash, Ash, the love of God. <laughs> You, everyone really forgot that this was originally meant to be a Klingon plot, didn't they? They yeah. sure did. <laughs> but the, now they're giving him motivation again and bringing him back to actual Ash Tyler. It's very yes. nice to see Ash Tyler now, emerge. Now that him and George are kind of flirting when they do spy shit, I'm like, hell yeah, this is good. Yeah, no, because they both rule. Yeah. Uh, and- well, George rules, and Ash Tyler has no personality, so he only rules as much as the person he's playing off against. <laughs> But luckily, the other cast in this show are actually incredible. Yeah. So they can do a lot of stuff with the very uneven material. Yeah. And I like Ash Tyler. I like him a lot. For yes. as much as, like, casting-wise he's, and, like, writing-wise, he loves his fishing. He's yep. a complete non- non-person, despite yes. being half Klingon. Uh, I, you know, I like Ash Tyler a lot, and I'm glad he's got stuff to do. He gets stabbed and, like, dramatically dies going, Leland! And everyone's like, well, he's going to be fine. <laughs> yes. They wouldn't even bandage that wound on Kronos. They would not even bandage that wound. There's a bit where he fights Leland, uh, realizing, oh, Leland's been compromised. And <laughs> I was like, yes, it's time for a Klingon fight. And he just gets owned immediately. It's because Leland has, like, uh, undercranked films powers. So <laughs> He has uh, Kirk Borg powers to, you know, to beat up Worf. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So many nanites in his system. Yeah. So I guess this is this is the so let's start. This is the actual thing. When we were watching this and Leland was getting the things injected to him, Destiny turned to me and was like, "Is this a Borg thing?" And I was like, "God, I hope not, because I'll be so mad if this story ends with Leland being tossed back like ten thousand years and he's the first Borg." 
There's no, there's no way that's what this is. There's no way this that's what this is. But also, I then went on to TrekCore and they had the same bad thought in the review. They're like, we hope that's not what's happening here. <laughs> Wait, did they also say it when they hoped it wasn't happening? Yeah, no. Yeah. I don't think this is going to be the Borg. I, I don't think. Because I, I, I had that thought. But, like, I feel like they'd be leaning into the green stuff. Just, I don't think the show's subtle enough to hide it behind an aesthetic. that Like, if they were just going to have the big, like, nostalgia thing, they'd just do it. They wouldn't yeah. tease it for a whole season. I hope I hope that's true, because if Leland is the origin of the Borg, I don't think I can watch this show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that makes sense because it doesn't line up with like first contact and everything. Like I, they've already they've already locked that loop. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the part where the Borg already exists, like Leland could just like lose his memory or whatever and then just be on a planet across the galaxy. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, but like I'm trying it's to remember. It's probably not I'm likely. To... It's not worth spending this much time on. Yeah, because I just want to go back to the Enterprise. The, the way the Enterprise episode ends, right? Am I remembering this right? Or is this an episode that never got made? There's an Enterprise episode of the Borg. Does it end with them, like, being the signal that calls the Borg to them in the future? Is that the, like, is that a hard loop? Or is that an idea they had for an episode that never got made? I'm trying to sort of... I want to think that that didn't happen. It, it doesn't matter because the Borg weren't actually heading towards Earth. That's, like, a an idea someone had. The Borg were just hanging out in that part of space and queued through the Enterprise there. Like, he just put them in a Borg patrol path. It's not like they were guess, heading for Earth, true. like, hardcore until the Enterprise showed up. Oh, the thing they never did was they were going to put fucking the Borg Queen in Enterprise. What? <laughs> I don't remember like this a, and I hate it. I hate it so much. Dex. It's a memory of as like a human on in a science station. That oh, we right. Do. Our, God. Yes. Uh, there are so many good, good Enterprise, Enterprise ideas that never got made, but there are also so many <laughs> bad ones. Uh, yeah. yeah. If you want to have a good time, go down the unmade Enterprise episode list and just read some of their season five ideas because some of them you'll be like, fuck yes. And some of them you'll be like, oh God. Yeah. Star Trek's always been this, is what we're saying. Yes. yes. Uh, so, yeah. Where do we want to go from, from here? Because I thought I was very happy with the start of the episode. Uh, I had a, a few frustrations as it went on, but overall, I liked it a lot. Uh, I really liked the first scene where Leland gets taken over by Control, because it was like, what if... Remember when this plot had themes? <laughs> remember yes. when this was about stuff? And Control's like, look, Starfleet is a military organization that's going to follow orders, therefore, literally anything you say will be unquestioned, and you can like, you can push it, and then, you know, you just got to kind of find out what people's lines are and work within that. It'll be fine. No one's ever going to notice I'm here. Uh, yep. And so that introduces a conflict of, is anyone going to find out I'm here by, like, their, the way they feel about their orders? And they play with that a bit, but then the way Leland actually gets spotted is through uh, turns of phrase plotting? Well, the thing that happens is Leland shows up and he's suddenly like the big fucking swinging dick. I'm confident I'm the spy master. And immediately everyone should be like, something happened to Leland. He's been compromised because that's not who this character is. <laughs> and, and everyone kind of does that, but in a, well, just go with it for now way. Yes. I because I was the, her him and George are having a conversation. I'm like, George, you has to be smarter than this to figure this out. And then she does, but in the most ham-fisted, we're writing for a broad audience way, where she hears uh Dr. Burnham say a specific line that Leland said and attribute it to control, and she's like, Oh, that must mean he's been compromised. Uh but Ash Tyler like, didn't put it together and he's a dumbass, so I guess this makes her the smart one. Ash Tyler like put it together that he didn't feel comfortable with this and this was bad, but didn't think for two seconds about why. Yes. Um, yeah, so it's still Discovery being uneven plotting. Yes. Uh, but 
I, I, you know, Terminator Leland fights everyone. Yeah, speaking of uneven plotting and things that don't necessarily matter, Dr. Culver's (laughs) just back to being the doctor. He just wears his uniform. He's got a normal personality. Like, it's as if the last season and a half didn't happen. Where's the the other doctor? Where's that woman? They mention her. She's just not in the episode. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Because I mean, Discovery probably has more than one Doctor. Like the like Enterprise had more than one Doctor. Not sure, not man. the original Enterprise, but like the other Enterprise. And if they're doing ill Section Thirty One shit, there's probably a need for more than one Doctor there. Sure, but it just feels like she's got uh, like Sarud, um, but she doesn't even get to have cool uh, head spikes, head head teeth. Yeah. Speaking of people who got Sarud, uh, Tilly has done nothing for like five episodes now, other than be the comedic relief to the point where now characters are like rolling their eyes at her when she says something and i hate it yeah i mean i was always like at the start of the season going tilly's good but th- i feel like they're just gonna write her into being a kind of marvel character doing her fucking you know shtick they, but uh, then they gave her like a pretty good arc with all the remember yep. remember when she talked to the mycelial network and had made a friend <laughs> yeah then happened? all those writers got fired for being abusive assholes and no yep. one has remembered ghosts Everyone's like, ghosts never happened. Remember when he died? Didn't happen. But now Tilly just says like a fucking bazinga and we move on. <laughs> uh, this is an episode that we generally liked. Yeah, I know, but there's some <laughs> shit in it. There's still some shit in it. Tilly does do a bazinga and we move on. Yes. Also, also, there's a part in this episode where Georgie talks to Dr. Burnham and Dr. Burnham's like, oh, you care about uh, Michael Burnham. And she's like, you got me confused for the other fellow, but I'm the one from the mirror universe. Uh, and she's like, no, I know who you are, but actually we're just going to make you the other Georgie again because we're just going to ignore the part where you're the genocidal emperor of the fascist universe. Uh, and she's like, no, 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 I'm still that character. And she's like, no, sorry, you've been rewritten. You're being retconned <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> It, this feels like a conversation between any fandom and any fucking like actual writing staff. You know, point to any anime character, Sasuke, whatever. Like, no, this is the dark and serious one. And then you're like, no, no, I think you're, I think you've actually got a heart of gold, and you're going to be sacrificing yourself a million times over. And she's like, no, no, I'm fairly sure that I am dark and serious and important. <laughs> And was like, no, no, if you see this fan art I've made, you will be sacrificing yourself and my daughter in every possible universe. Uh, the thing, so I'm two minds about this, because I think it sucks to take that yes. away from Mira Jarju, but also I'm really glad that if they're doing it, they're just doing it and not playing coy about it. Yes. <laughs> like, uh... literally the avatar of plot manipulation shows up and says, no, you're going to be a good guy now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I felt this way... I, f- I felt about this episode kind of how I felt about late season three Enterprise episodes, when everyone's character gets kind of slightly changed and fixed because it was a bad season. Like, yes, Enterprise it's, it's the we need to like create a framework to build on other than meandering this bullshit forever, right? Yeah, because Enterprise season three, often an awful season of television, but it does kind of find itself in the last six episodes and build towards something mm-hmm. uh, as they kind of kick fucking um, oh, oh you mean they build and... towards nazi aliens <laughs> yeah and then it has the an elite like illegal bad cliffhanger that comes out of nowhere because that's the law in star trek <laughs> yes well they've but, already told us this season will have an ending that will leave you speechless so get ready yeah god <laughs> yeah it's the nazi aliens they're back temporal cold war 2 yeah jonathan archer steps out from behind the camera <laughs> uh if only yeah <clears throat> but 
so that's why I was on board with this because like I am frustrated with them dropping that but if they're gonna do it you're right like they're doing it and I guess they're saying everyone's character's slightly different now with the TV show is this we are announcing what the TV show is we're the third writing staff we have some new ideas please bear with us Uh, and if they're gonna do that I would like them to at least plant their fag and say here are the ideas and not just be shit yes yeah, the part where she's just nebulously still the Terran Emperor, but maybe she likes Burnham, but also that affection is kind of weird because the way the show plays it sometimes creepy uh, is bad. If they just go, no, nah, you're her new mom now. You're her third mom. <laughs> third mom. Fourth yeah. mom, I guess, technically. Oh, I guess that's true. But two of them are the same person. Uh, yes. <laughs> but according to both of them, could not be more different. Could not, could not be more different. But we have the Avatar plot to tell you that they're the same. This brings up... The a, first mom, like, the Avatar plot. The, first, the Avatar plot, the original mom. Mom Prime is here to designate the role no, of the No, 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 you mom. can't call her Mom Prime when Georgie <laughs> Prime exists. But she's not from the... No, wait, she is from the Prime Universe. She's not. Yeah. This is the Prime Universe. The other universe is the Kelvinverse. I hate Star Trek so much. Ah, uh, God... So let's talk about the part where they do the visitor. Uh, yeah, this this episode's all about the visitor uh, because it's about a mom and a daughter who are detangled through time. And she's like, no, I, I've always been here for you, baby child. I've been here for your graduation. I've been here when you fucked that Klingon boy. I've been here for when you started the war. I've seen it all. And and it's it's a lot. And you're like, okay, I guess uh, the visitor did this better, but I'm, I'm here for it. The emotional content is honest. You just make two- a... Fucking you just make actors. an episode about childs and parents being emotional to each other and you get good actors, you're going to have a good episode. Yeah, this is just what happens to black Star Trek families. Yep, <laughs> apparently. You get Tony Todd or you get Kima from The Wire and this is what happens. This is what happens. I like it. It's a very specific world to go back to, but I guess like I enjoy it, so sure. Yep, yep. Because uh, yeah, like... Uh, uh, Dr. Burnham's being all like I don't want to see my daughter because I have to be committed to the mission if I allow myself to break down emotionally then I will you know I will that'll be weakness I have to be strong I've seen her die so many times I can't do this and obviously throughout the course of the episode it ends with her breaking down and she gets sucked away into the time it's, I actually well, really like all of the like survivalist video logs of her like just like yes. building a camp and being like I went back to the past it was shit everyone died uh, try they, number 732 <laughs> went back to the they, past everyone's died it was shit <laughs> they exist partly to do that and also because the writing staff are like fuck nothing makes any sense in this season so she has to say the words when i brought the people over from the like the you know from world war three to the yes, 23rd century to create terralysium that, that proves that time is is not static and i'm like how did you do that how'd you that, dr madam what what did you use you just used your magic future technology that apparently well, they did say her, they did say her suit has infinite power and infinite computing space as if that's a thing that exists when she was just building that in their like star wars hovel right like this they're just, just on an asteroid in a star project. wars set and they're just building this thing that has infinite power <laughs> Right, the the suit isn't from the future, and in the future, all of sentient life has been wiped out, so there's not, like, more technology. Yeah, no, so... she just built the suit that can do all these things. So this is, like, what? what? Again, it doesn't actually matter, because the, like, emotional stuff in this episode is good, but... She I, went I... to the historical tapes and was really into Anthem. The one person in her <laughs> century who's really into Anthem, and she's like, I'm gonna build one of these, and then just built it too much. She did build it too much. Unlike this is Anthem, just like my Japanese content. animes. <laughs> yep. It is. It is. A th- well, 
seeing the video game concept art just become real in this episode now we finally get it like static as a model and not just in effect shots yes it's a lot because one it's black yes it's not red it's not red (laughs) the red is the time aura around it and I guess you could like see that in the early concept art stuff, but it, it's much less cool by being a, just a black spacesuit. Yes, it literally looks like a Mass Effect suit with some fucking cyber wings on it. Yeah, but God. Uh, but the scene where um, Burnham's like, "Please be a human being to me," and she's like, "I will not be a human being to you." And she's like, "God damn it, you're so much like me." <laughs> uh, yes. It's very good. Because uh, they basically have a stubborn off as the, the like, absolute champions of people who will refuse to emotionally open up for no other reason other than just pure stubbornness. Yep. Uh, and it's good. Yeah, I like all that stuff a lot. Uh, you know who's really good in this episode is Spock, who finally is just Spock. He's just Spock now. They had that scene last week where he's like, I will now just be Spock. I will not be the old one. <laughs> And now yep. he's just they smoke. did. They did make him being dyslexic a literal superpower that allows him to comprehend time and space. Just a little. Hmm, don't like it. Don't like it at all. I don't like it either. No, it's so weird because in the first episode they like they don't they say dyslexia, but as like a metaphor. I, I didn't think they meant Spock had dyslexia. <laughs> Well, I they, they meant- well, what happened was Sarah goes, oh, the thing you mean, Vulcan word, uh, that we don't talk about on our planet. And she's like, no, dyslexia, yes, I helped him read. <laughs> uh, and I assume that was, like, for more, like, for bigger emotion Because they basically play it as an autism metaphor, despite yeah. the fact that dyslexia is a very different thing. Yes. And now Spock's just like, I have dyslexia. <laughs> Which is fucking weird. Uh, I kind of like that because it... I like the idea that... In the out of the bullshit of that, he just goes, "I have dyslexia," which is actually a very di- like it's it's not a world-ending thing. It's a di- it's just a like you know it's a dyslexia in the real world is a disability regarding processing. Yes, but also thing- because he had dyslexia, he was able to comprehend space time in a way no one else could, <laughs> which doesn't make any fucking sense. Yes, she didn't like show him words that were backwards and needed him to put them right. Like that's not how this worked. It's like. Do you not know dyslexia is not an uncommon thing? You can talk to anyone with dyslexia. It's not a fucking space magic. Yes. Well, a human Vulcan hybrid with dyslexia. There's only one in all the universe, and it's Spock. God. When all you had to do was be like, oh, this is this is the brother of like the adopted brother of Michael Burnham. Obviously, this is the person I should talk to. He'll understand. Because yeah. he's Spock, and I've been through time. I see at some point he creates, he's part of a whole other universe where he disappears in this timeline. Or, like, the way I would have played, right, not to fix the plot, right? But then you do it as she gives it the information to Spock because she wants someone who cares to Burnham and is close to Burnham, but doesn't want to give it to Burnham because that will, like, make her, like, be too much of a burden for her. So then she's mad at her mum for giving it to Spock and also, like, inadvertently ruining their relationship. There's actual character drama there. You could just make it a choice and not weird space magic dyslexia nonsense yes and it's yeah i don't know it's it's weird so uh, there are just like last time there are just a lot of moments in this episode where things happen that should be by all rights reflections or culminations of early ideas and they don't invoke them or do anything with this 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 show feels weirdly episodic for the fact that it's incredibly serialized uh, and you want to list a couple? Then I have a couple things that they bring up this episode that I thought would pay off and then don't immediately. So uh, I mean more like at the bit, like they don't tie um, Burnham letting 
her mom go into anything with Ariam, into anything about this, like, her savior complex. That doesn't yes. come up this week, even no. though that's what the episode's about. And I'm like, yes. here is a central th- You made this a central theme of the series, and in the moment that is on paper designed to bring all those themes into synthesis, it's just not there. Yes. And I'm just like, what? Yes. And it just becomes very confusing, because if you can't keep those through lines, you can just make episodic television. It's Star Trek. It works very well. Uh, yes. So it was just stuff like that. It was, it was very frustrating. What are the things that you were surprised about on that front? Okay, so a couple things. One, Dr. Burnham doesn't know what the signals are. Yes. So they're coming from something else. We have three episodes to discover what that is. Because... Uh, I mean, that that excited me because it means that there's hopefully some actual part of this mystery that isn't just a very boring thing. Yes. Uh, also, uh, Leland, and I assume he's telling the truth, says that he, he saw Dr. Lork, or Dr. Burnham's body at the outpost back when they were supposedly killed. Before no, he, says that, he says that when he's control. That's not that. Yeah, that's but mind. I assume that's a factual statement. Um, probably. But that means know. at some point she must return to her time. But also she's stuck in the 32nd century for reasons that are not ever explained. Like why that's the place that she's anchored to and can't come back. for Like, because she makes one jump and she ends up in that time. And then she can't do anything. Like, clearly there's something that's pulling time travelers to the 32nd century, right? Like, but that's never elucidated upon. I assume that that's just what the signals are. Like, the, she she got pulled into that because that was where her first jump was, right? Like, um... I feel like they say something along the lines of she like she makes the emergency jump, but the emergency jump because of the suit just like ties her to the thirty second century. I don't know if that's going to pay off in any way. But they, like she didn't, she was time. going back. She was she's like I'm going to go back like three hours, and instead goes forward nine hundred years, and that's never explained, nor the reason why nine hundred years is now the point that she's stuck in. Right? Yeah, I mean, it definitely start like they start to play with ideas of the universe having like a will. Yes, um, uh, and not. Not in the way of the earlier season. In the, the it's not tied into any of the faith themes, you know, because yes. they've completely forgotten that that exists. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, but, but then yeah. the one other thing on top of this is when they're trying to figure out how to separate Doctor Burnham from the suit. Uh, they're like, "Well, we could use this weird transport technology that uses black matter, and then or dark matter." And someone says specifically, "What we we need the power of a supernova, like the supernova that was about to happen when she first got flung forward in the future." Never mentioned, never touched upon that you have like all of the setup for like a miracle closed loop paradox thing. But it's never brought up, and I assume isn't actually how this is going to play out. But it feels like someone was writing the bones of it and got it into the episode, despite the fact it's never being used. I mean, I like I can see a version of this where the end of the story is that Burnham goes back, like Doctor Burnham goes back to die in that thing because she has to to make the rest of the story happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the big tragic ending that they're building to. Yeah, I guess, but it's implied that she's, like, stuck in the 36th century now, because, like, the suit gets fucked up. Like, the time crystal gets destroyed. She's thrown with the suit back into the 32nd century, but without any means to repair it. Yeah, because they don't, they don't send her into the perpetual infinity thing. They just send her back through the thing, and the, the suit gets kind of, you know, exploded. The time crystal yes. is dead. Yeah. So she's just trapped there in her, you know, um, set from the Martian. Yeah. I with guess. With less potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what she she's doing yes. she's doing the martian logs yep uh yeah but i mean she's she's not she's not done they are gonna come back to her right oh, yeah. like yeah probably uh that's I where just, the season will end there's three episodes left <laughs> there's a lot to uh, do 
And next week, they're bringing the Klingons back into it. Uh, thank God, finally. Some characters I like. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, fucking Lorel, Where has she been? Uh, running the Empire. She's got shit to do. She doesn't have time for this bullshit drama about, like, a time-traveling mom. Oh. She made her choice. The Empire is better than children. <laughs> she did literally make that choice. So the, the next episode, the preview is uh, the uh, the next signal appears around Borath, yeah. uh, which eagle-eyed viewers and people watching the next four seconds of the preview will recognize as uh, the place that Ash left his and Lorel's baby. Yeah. It's also um, where uh, it's also where um, Vok got. I was going to say Martok got the sword out of the lake and became the true emperor of the Klingon Empire in 150 years or whatever. I guess it is. That is what <laughs> happened when we went to Barath. Yes. Fuck, that book's so good. I know. Uh, he wrote, oh, God, you know what? I miss the books. Yeah, I say them all the, all the time. Increasingly no, miss the books. <laughs> Look, we're watching the Star Trek episodes and I'm like, I want to go back to the books where uh, Martok leans down at the sacrifice of his loyal Ferengi friend, raises his like fucking Lord of the Rings sword into the air and unites the Klingon Empire. <laughs> yes. Um the thing about this coming episode that I don't like is that it seems to imply that like Ash Tyler did a bad thing by not talking about the baby that he's he and Laurel decide to hide away from everyone. They're gonna play that as some drama. That Michael Burnham won't be like, yeah, no, we do. I told you to go fuck off, and you did, and it was fine. Yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, like, I guess it is one of those things where you know I was talking to Ryan, and it was like, oh, I hate when I break up with my uh, ex because I didn't tell her I was a secret Klingon, and then I get back with her and don't tell her I have a secret Klingon baby. <laughs> she broke up uh, with him, and then yeah. decided maybe it was okay, but then he's like, now nah, I'm gonna go with Lorel because you know this isn't working. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious how it's going to go because I like there will be drama there. I hope they'll do it better because until that baby is discovered, there is, he should not be saying it. He has like decided to make that a thing that he doesn't say to anyone. That's not to do with Michael Burnham. That's to do with like a decision he made. Yes, bigger than all of this. I feel but like also they act like the baby matters outside of what it represents to cling on politics, and it does not. It does not. It no, just doesn't. It, does not. Uh, it just doesn't. I had the hell idea that somehow the baby gets in the time suit and then becomes Vok <laughs> watching this episode. But that's... That's... Oh, no. <laughs> right, because the baby's also like an albino Klingon, right? Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not what's going to happen. But I thought it'd be very funny if Ash was his own father. No, if Ash is half of himself. Yes. <laughs> Ash's son. Wait, no, the Ash most is, divided Ash's man in my... history. Javid <laughs> <laughs> Iqbal is back. <laughs> Time. God. That, no, I don't... Mm. That's not yeah, what's I, going to happen, but it was very funny to just have... I had the moment at the end of All Good Things where you just comprehend the paradox and all possibilities and then he's like, yes, you've discovered the evolution of humanity. <laughs> it's all happened. It's all happened. Jean-Luc Picard gets a new type flash and Q's like, that's what I was hoping for all along. <laughs> Jean-Luc Picard does a new type flash and it goes into his mind and he's like, Ash is his own son. <laughs> <laughs> The timelines are one! The timelines are one! <laughs> God. 
Uh, that's what's going to leave you breathless. That's the leaving you speechless ending. I mean, it would leave me definitely speechless. <laughs> other than a great shout that I had somehow guessed this outrageous <laughs> possibility. Is that... Well, okay. <laughs> so if this is obviously not true, but just a yes and this incredible plot development for a second. What happens when fucking Culber yes. <laughs> sees Vok, who is Ash's son? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's a baby. He's not going to know. Culber has his own killing baby Hitler moment. <laughs> well, he can't he can't kill baby Hitler because if he did, he wouldn't die and enable him to be the person who could kill baby Hitler. It's Honestly, as far paradox. as this episode's concerned and last episode, dying's the best thing that ever happened to him because now he's rediscovered himself. He's rediscovered himself, he's fine, everything's good, he doesn't have to hang around with Stamets and listen to his opera. I mean, they're definitely gonna get back together, Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, I know. Because what could they do? Have another gay character? Impossible! Because no. <laughs> they definitely play that relationship like, you've got to choose to love it. Because I thought originally they were going to break up and just have their own plots. But they're not going to have, like, multiple plots for multiple people. What is this? No, so does not have time for that. They're still Thanks trying to pretend like Burnham has the romance plot she had last season. And it is not true. <laughs> yeah, they're, st- they're still... I really like that timely episode, and so do I. But Burnham's, I don't know, I don't care about that stuff. I, I only care about the Burnham run-ups insofar as I like Burnham and care about what she cares about, right? Yes. But I, it's not the core of her character or what I'm like interested in exploring. Yep. She's got a lot more going on. Yeah. Uh God. <laughs> Three episodes that I have no fucking idea how this ends. No, me either. It seems like such a mess. <laughs> and I assume that the conclusion is going to be too pat in the same way that last season's was too pat. But in a much more outrageous way, given that what we have set up is like a weird so much more closed loop time thing yeah. about an AI destroying the future. But also about faith in the angels and Burnham's mom. And maybe that stuff's well, going to come back because we may- don't know who made the signals. Who could it possibly be? Yeah, no, they're suddenly going back to the original plot. And, like, bringing up the Burnhams in the suit and then discarding that as a possibility now means that the the whole thing has been blown wide open. I have no idea how this ends. Yes, also, as if they heard last week's episode, Colbert literally is like, well, you have to understand, parents and children have basically the same mental patterns. I'm like, that's not true, but I understand that you're hand-waving away the bullshit of last episode, so thank you someone who knew that I would be mad about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's so god what a... three episodes left somehow the Klingons are getting involved this yep. this late at the end for one episode let's not kid ourselves will it be for one episode or will they like bring them into the plot if there's only three oh, episodes just, gonna just be... Laurel's hanging out on the bridge the rest of the season that'd be alright fuck yeah like if we're going up to the end of the season the, basically the Doing a standalone episode about the baby is point. You would not do that if it wasn't going to be about the plot in some major way. So this has to be building to something, which is the because if this was episode seven and they were going to the Klingon baby, it'd be oh Klingon baby time, whatever. Where's the episode where Laurel and Cornwell decide that they're going to date and just dump Ash Tyler's ass on the side of the road? (laughs) But it's like it's the the best thing. It's like the ending of Before Sunset, but the fucking creating a geopolitical nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
as the, the two high up leaders in yeah, the Yeah, where was like, the last time I felt alive is when we were fake beating the shit out of each other to <laughs> make the Klingons think that I was escaping. And God. she's like, yeah, we could just do that for fun now. And then they go and do that. Uh, I, good. This is good fanfic. <laughs> yep. Uh, you, you're gonna make that happen Burnham's gonna come back and no that's what you do you, that's, you only fell alive with Laurel that's that's what you do and she's like I don't know if that's true I've seen the timelines that's definitely what happens to you yep. uh, oh, do you have anything else? they read another book <laughs> they, re- they read Hamlet yeah <laughs> uh, yes I guess technically not a book but Spock knows one other thing other than Alice in Wonderland thank god <laughs> yep but then definitely book. Kima from The Wire goes, I watched your fake mother read Alice in Wonderland to you over and over and over again. And I was like, yeah, I know. They, they, no. they know one book. No, no, no. She says, I mean, she says that, but she also says, I watched you read it out loud and you thought you were reading to me. I was, you were, honey. I was there. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, no, I was actually reading to my younger brother because I didn't realize he was dyslexic, but he kept asking me to read books to him. But only the one uh, book. Yeah, but only the one book. <laughs> Uh, that bit where they put her like reading that to herself in episode three in the fuller stuff because he thought that was a good metaphor uh, has grown into somehow <laughs> the, like it, like in the same way that for very stupid but slightly more culturally understandable reasons uh, that the needs of the many has become this like important Vulcan idea which it just no isn't. that's still the worst one that's still the worst one no no it's it's worse but it I understand how you get there from. The Wrath of Khan is a very popular movie. It's a thing that matters. Her saying, her reading Alice in Wonderland to herself doesn't matter. Why of all things they, like, hooked onto that? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, no, yes, every time they go the needs of the many, but they never say the full phrase, because apparently that would be too far. Yep. Remember when he said that in Transformers 3? No. No, I don't. <laughs> he does. He does. Okay, good. I mean, Transformers 3 is an okay movie, so that makes sense. <laughs> anyway. Could use a Do little have... classic up with some Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what... Leonard Moy saying the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few is definitely classing up things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have any, any more random thoughts about this wild stuff? Three episodes left. Nowhere to go from here. Pretty yeah, long. I don't know. It's weird because, like... When I think of, like, the big picture of what this season is, it's still a mess I hate, but this episode's really good, so, you know, I'm just playing it by ear. If if Enterprise can get back on track for season four, then I can hopefully enjoy next season. I feel better this week than I did the last I mean, we have, we have a shocking cliffhanger at last episode to wait, look forward to, be threatened by, so who can say? They just said leave you speechless. They didn't say it was a cliffhanger. Well, sure, but leave you speechless implies something bigger than the Enterprise shows up. So I'm, uh, I'm bracing myself. I hope there's not a cliffhanger. I could, if I was them, I would just, you know, end the season and skip five years into the future. <laughs> just uh, get far away from this as possible. Be like new, new stuff. Let's go. Prime Lorca and Prime Georgiou show up, and they're married. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, I guess if we want to take a moment just dive into what the hell it could be, I guess Lorca is the only thing that... They don't have any... if Unless it's just going into the general Star Trek pocket of, like, the Borg somewhere I mean, else. Leland's the, the Adam of Borgs is a pretty big possibility space. Sure, but, like, that's that's pulling into the cachet of, like, Star Wars shit. Star, yeah. Star Trek shit. Uh, what does Discovery itself have? It's fucking Lorca. I hope Lorca shows up at the end. I would mark out. I'd be like, yeah! 
Saru's if actually pro- the person who puts Pike in the wheelchair by shooting him with his head teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the next season he's just in a regular wheelchair and just gets better over the course of the season. <laughs> he is Anson Mount has said he is not in season three, so whatever oh, happening to true. Pike is happening in three episodes. He, he there's, a, there's an explosion that happens. It is explained why he's in the wheelchair. It happens it in matter. that episode. N- literally no one but people who are 70 years old will give a shit if they change Me, that. I care, apparently. I don't care. I don't care. It, I, I generally don't care if you recount anything out of TOS, because TOS is kind of a messy show. It doesn't matter. The reason it matters is because then it means that before he goes to the cage again, he waits around for a decade doing nothing in the wheelchair with it being unable to speak. I mean, I feel like that's the implication of the menagerie to me, but maybe not. It's been a the while menagerie it. is like there's been an accident. You got to come see Pike. Oh, okay. Like, that is the that is the incident of the episode. Okay. Is a thing happens and he's like, "Yo, take me to the cage because I can't talk except for these lights <laughs> because we couldn't get the actor back." Yep. God, I guess Arium's uh, a whole ass robot person because she got in an explosion. <laughs> They should have just given, like, maybe maybe they, like, were like, please beep once if you want to be put in the robot body, and he beeped twice, and this is what his life is now. I did get become a whole ass robot person, but she died. I'm just saying that the, the, the technology exists to give Christopher Pike a better life than being in the wheelchair, like, not able to communicate. Like, being in the wheelchair, whatever, that's fine. I'm not here to say that that's, like, a bad life, but his literal agony is that he can't communicate with people because he can only beep once or twice. And I understand that it was 1967, but it's not that anymore. So we could just give Pike a better universe. Yeah, when we say the wheelchair, like, we mean it because it's a wheelchair, but, the, like, that's not the part that's played as tragic. It is that, yeah, it is. He's trapped inside a way where he can't speak with because technology didn't exist in the way that people today in that exact same situation have full functioning lives as astrophysicists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, was Stephen Hawkins, was that, like, a like how much longer was that after Star Trek before he became, uh, like, known? Because I know he's, he, it was a degenerative illness, right? Because he started yeah. out, you know... And, and I mean, even time. when he was diagnosed, they were like, you're not going to live very long. And then he lived for another like 40 years doing science. Right. So yep. he was in TNG already famous he, in the 80s. He was in TNG. Yeah. So God, uh, Pike becomes a robot. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is Pike's the Terminator now. <laughs> he has to become a Terminator to stop the Terminator. Right. Oh. The part we're forgetting on this is that someone still has to fist fight Leland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's true. I don't think that they're. I think they're going to talk him down and they're going to destroy the main control. But Leland's just going to be a control Leland for the rest of time. But they're going to get the end of the episode. The end of the season is going to be the end of Mass Effect One, where they're like, Leland, you still have a heart, and everyone goes, No, he doesn't. It's no, Leland. What, it's, what it's actually going to be is that he's now HK-47 flying around talking about meat bags for the rest of this show. And Sector 31. God. And now Georgia's just on the Discovery also. I mean, for now. For now, sure. But, you know. We'll see. Anyway. I don't think there's any way that the, this, the like, whenever they decide that they're going to cut Section 31 off to be its own thing, it's not Georgia in command of Evil Leland and Ash Tyler being a dope. Uh, Leland's dead by the end of the season. Are you kidding me? He's gone. No, I don't. I want. I want robot Leland forever and ever. <laughs> Wait, you think she's going to turn him into a pet? She's going to cut him <laughs> off from the system and reprogram Leland? 
Well, no, he'll still want to, like, take over the universe, but in, like, a lightly humorous way where they're just like, yeah, I know. You always want to take over the universe, Leland. <laughs> so do I. You know how it is. We can't, yeah. we can't, we can't always take over the universe. Who among us doesn't want to take over the universe? You know, we need a different uh, plan, Leland. We're going to get groceries this week. <laughs> Giorgio leaving the mirror universe and becoming a Section 31 agent is played mostly kind of like just, you know, graduating college. Yes. The episode where they go to Ryza and Leland takes over the weather system by injecting his nanites into it to try to rule the universe through Ryza. <laughs> Worf and Leland have like yeah. a competition to see who can have the least fun on Ryza. <laughs> I'm saying the possibility space if you leave Leland alone and don't kill him is amazing. Because <laughs> then you just have a weird computer guy. Yes, if Star Trek's yeah. just going to lean into being kind of dumb sometimes, leave the robot man there. <laughs> yep. Uh, raucous episode. Rowdy episode. If you can rehab the Emperor of the Mirror Universe, you can rehab AI-controlled Leland. Uh, if you can rehab 9-11 torture President Archer. <laughs> I mean, they didn't even have to rehab that one. He just had to feel bad that he did it. <laughs> Once. What? <laughs> while, while he was actually using, feeling bad about it to try to hook up with this, his ex on a rock. And his, <laughs> and his ex was like, I don't think you need to do 9-11 torture. I, I don't think that's true of things. And he's like, you don't understand. Sometimes you're out there for more than five minutes and you've got to torture a guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with Secret Klingon Baby. Yeah. There's no way that Epto can actually live up to any of the possibility space of Secret Klingon Baby. There was a thing, and I don't take notes on these, obviously. There was a bit where they're in, like, the ready room talking to Culber, and Culber, I think he says something about either Burnham or, or Ash Tyler about, like, how exceptional their situation is. And I was like, my dude, you died and came back from Mushrooms. We're all Star Trek characters here. You can't talk about people being exceptional anymore. <laughs> Because uh, in, in the other show, Leland would be the character that comes up and interviews them. But this makes, by going inside Section 31 and making them all Star Trek characters, yes. that makes them the episode where Bashir gets interviewed for, didn't you, were you a duplicate for a bit? What, did this happen to you? Yes, I always think, I always think about the time Bashir was interrogated for being a main character in a Star Trek show. <laughs> and how much that suspicious. just warps reality around you. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a good, it's good, it's good. Yeah. Uh, Three more weeks, and then we can read a book. Yeah, that's it. We're done. Uh, Until next time, see you out there.